all right, we just got back from a glorious vacation, and it all started with uh, the goal of going to visit a few colleges. Our son Jonah, who happens to be doing slides in the back today, he, uh, he's, going, he's going into his senior year, so there's a couple of colleges in the southeast, in Florida and in Georgia. That initiated this whole, like, month-long vacation. And so we did visit them, and it's frightening as a parent, those of you who've been there, to think about sending your your child to another part of the country to go to a school where you're not right there. Some of you can relate to that experience, so it's frightening, but it's not as scary as Nordson Rack. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Nordson Rack, to me, is more frightening than sending our son off to college. And now, um, for me, Nordson Rack has been frightening since the time Jonah was a little boy. And, and I'm not scared of like a store. But I'm reminded, whenever I'm in Nordstrom Rack, what happened? Jonah was just a little kid, and it was during the hide-and-seek years. Remember the hide-and-seek years if you have children? And so we're in Nordstrom Rack, the one in Pioneer Square downtown. We're new parents. We have one child, just one, and that's enough. And then we're in Nordstrom Rack, and you know Nordstrom Rack has the circular racks, right? And so there's like space in the middle for a young child to play. So we're going around looking at racks or whatever. Next thing you know, Jonah is not there. And as a parent who is not calm, I immediately freak out. Jonah. Now I'm trying to not like panic everyone else. Jonah, Jonah. And he is not answering. And I don't know where he is. And we're in downtown Portland. And it all happened in probably 30 seconds. But the whole movie was on slow-mo. My life was on slow-mo. And I went from looking for a deal to immediately looking for my son. And those of you who've had that kind of experience, those of you who are parents, know how quickly your focus can change. And so why do I tell you this story? Because we're one week away from good news today. It is next Sunday. We're not meeting here Next Sunday morning, do not come here. Some of you are hearing me. You're not listening. You're going to show up at 10 in the morning and say, this is great. Oh, I'm the dork who didn't listen. We're going to be at Hillsborough Stadium in the afternoon, and we're doing good news today in the evening. And the reason I tell you this story is I think sometimes we forget what lostness is like. And sometimes if we're not careful, we will forget how God responds to lostness. In the moment my son was out of my view, I dropped everything else to find him. And I want to suggest to you, seven days out of this event, that it's not about the event. Here's what I want to do. This morning, I'm going to look at three things. Why this matters. We're going to look at that first. Um, We're going to look at what this is all about, and then we're going to look at how God wants to use every single breathing human being in this world. If you're not breathing, he doesn't want to use you. You're dead. But if you're breathing, he has something for you. And so we want to look at how, I'm sorry, why, and then what, and then how. Okay, we're going to start with the why. Look at Luke 15, verse 1. Verse 1 says, now the tax collectors and sinners, quote unquote, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes, quote unquote, sinners, and he eats with them. He eats with them. I want to remind you by question, who is God looking for right now? Think back to me, new dad, Norsenbrack, downtown. If we had multiple kids at the time, we didn't. 
if we had multiple kids and say we had three or four, if I could see three, I'm not worried about them. Who's the one I'm looking for? The one I can't see right now. Who does God welcome? Who does God invite? Who does God love? And this is radical. Who does God want to spend time with? It's not people who have it all together. Although he's He's okay if you have it all together. That's kind of a cool thing. He loves it when people follow him. He loves it when people obey him. He loves it when people walk with him. But, hear me, he is looking radically for those who don't care. Those who are opposed. Those who don't think he exists. And so, the reason, you say, why are we, Jose, we already did this last year. Why do it again? Partly it's for you and it's for me. Because the longer I follow Jesus, the more I can become duped into thinking that if someone has their life all together, that's when God loves them. And the longer I follow Jesus, the longer I can think that God is really interested in just the people who hear his voice and follow his ways and do his stuff. And I can forget that God is at Nordstrom Rack looking for the one who's hiding. And he loves them, hear me, not when they fill in the blank. He loves them now. He loves everybody right now, so Jesus tells three parables. We're going to look at just the first one. And some of it is so obvious, I just want to bring out the obvious. Verse 3. Three parables tell the same point. Let's just look at the first one. Verse 3 of Luke 15. Then Jesus told this parable, which is a truthful analogy story to make a real point. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. He, now he's talking to people who are living in an agrarian shepherding society. So this isn't weird. Someone has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he? leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. Which, by the way, this isn't risky. It's not that he doesn't care about the 99 and he's willing to let the 99 die to find the one rebel. No. The 99 are going to be okay. But he goes after the one. Verse 5, when he finds that lost sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. He's not rebuking this animal. He's bringing him back to safety. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my, underline that word, my lost sheep. Not that lost sheep. Not that stupid lost sheep. Not that rebellious, and now they're in timeout lost sheep. Mine. Underline that. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now remember, the shepherd here loves all of the sheep. So God loves it when you follow him, and he's not saying there's no party for you because you follow him, and if you follow him, you don't get anything. No, what he is saying is the 99 are already enjoying him. But when one is not, God is not hesitant. He's not waiting. He's not sitting idly by. He is pursuing. He's running after. And so love causes the shepherd to run after the one that is going in the wrong direction. And can I just tell you, why do things like this. Now, none of you think it's weird that I was in a moment in losing sight of my son. None of you think it's weird. 
that I'm not worried about shopping, that I'm not worried about what I'm going to have for lunch. None of you think it's weird that I am wholeheartedly focused on this one thing, finding where my son is. Now the analogy breaks down. God knew he's in the middle of the rack. Okay, so like, it's not like God is wondering, where did Jose go? You can't escape from his presence. You go up, he's there. You go down, he's there. You go sideways, he's there. You can't run from God. He knows, he knows everything. But those who aren't loving him and following his leading, he is running after them. And I need to be reminded, I wonder, let me just ask you, is that how you see people who are far from God right now? When you look at the people who don't care about God, don't read the Bible, don't go to church, is that how we see them? Now, we know how we see them by how we live. And the shepherd, the good shepherd, is pursuing them. And if I don't care, and if I'm not thinking, and if I'm not trying to find ways, and if I'm not prayerful, and if I'm not concerned, and if my heart isn't aching for those who are disconnected from God when they should be fully connected with God through Jesus, then something needs to be, hear me, reawakened in me. So the reason we're doing this huge event is for you. It's for me. It's for my heart. Why? Because until I have the heart of God, which is the point of the three parables, it ends with the parable of the two sons. And you know, because we've studied it here, that the parable is not about the lost son who ran away. The parable is actually the son about the son who's at home. The religious kid who doesn't care about his brother who doesn't care about God celebrating on someone who is far from him coming close. Something went wrong with the heart of the kid in church. And so the reason we're going to do this until we die, how many times are we going to do a GNT? I have, no, I, have, I have no idea. Are we going to do it again? I have no idea. Where are we going to do it next? I have no idea. But I know we're going to continue to challenge ourselves. We're going to go all in. We're going to throw all our weight in. We're going to throw all our money in. We're going to throw all our attention in. Why? My heart. I'll be truthful. The more I follow Jesus, the easier it is to make following Jesus all about me. Isn't it true? Why are we doing this? Hey, can't we do other things? Can't we, aren't there some stuff? Hey, we don't own our own building. Shouldn't we take this money and like buy our own building? Hey, our seats are plastic. Do you realize how my rear hurts every time I go home from church because I'm sitting on a plastic chair and Sunrise has cushions. Why don't we have cushions? <laughs> it, the longer I follow Jesus the longer and deeper the temptation to make following Jesus about me and my needs and my wants. and ah, Why don't we do this and why don't we do that? I'm here to say, as a leadership team, we are hyper-focused. And the primary objective is to grow as Jesus followers so that we will live like Jesus. And you know what? Jesus loves people. So we're going to do everything, and that means we're not going to do lots of things so that we have the money, the capacity, and the ability to do things that are at the heart of God. God is pursuing people who are outside the walls of this building right now, and guess what? What he wants to do is reshape our heart. Okay, that's, that's the why. Now, I can put some Bible to it. I'm going to do that. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 says, For Jesus Christ, or Christ and the Messiah... 
Christ's love compels us. Why? Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer, and underline this, live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So the death and resurrection of Jesus is about the reshaping of my heart back to the Godward way. So here's, here's the outcome. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What's a worldly point of view? God can't get through to them. They're never going to change. They're already 60, or you don't know what they're doing. All that blah, blah, blah that we put in our own mindset as to why we shouldn't bring Jesus up. They don't want to hear it. They won't change. They won't listen. They already did. They've been burned. And so we now, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, realize, oh, wait a minute. God can and will change anyone at any time, and I don't even know what he's doing, so I'm going to take the risk to love people. Christ, notice, it's not my love compels me. So if you're the type of person who says, well, like, honestly, I, say, I really don't care. Join the club. I don't care either. I'm more interested in me. I'm more interested in me than you. Yeah, and I'm your pastor. So let's just be honest. We are more interested in ourselves than we're willing to let on. But here's what I am saying. Jesus is changing those natural, demonic mindsets. Me wants to take care of me. Christ in me wants to take care of you. And so Christ, Jesus' love compels. It throws us in the mix. And so if you feel like, you know, Jose, I don't know if this kind of stuff is, 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 this isn't my thing. It doesn't have to be your thing. You just need to be obedient and it will become your thing. And so Christ, is Christ's love compelling you to help people know that Jesus is real and he's real in you? He's real in you. Or are we content to hide it and say, in our society, our own belief is our own belief, and I don't want to push the envelope. Well, Christ's love moves mine. And, and the reason, why, why are we doing this? Because when we do things like this, it gets us out of our comfort zone. I was talking to Dustin. He's a part of the church. He's probably over here. Dustin, are you here? If not, you're skipping church. Oh, well, the Lord will rebuke him. I can talk about him. <laughs> Well, anyway, he's probably home with a sick kid. Uh, Dustin... I was with him just on uh, Friday, and he was telling me, he works at Nike, and he was at one of the classes they put on on campus. So he was in like some sort of, I don't know what it was, some fitness class. And so the music is usually hip hop, and so the instructor, who also I think is a follower of Jesus, threw Andy Minio, who's at, gonna be at GNT, in the mix. So just threw Andy's music in the mix. And as they're doing their stuff, the instructor just suddenly says, hey, and the, the guy you're listening to, he's actually doing a free concert at Hillsborough Stadium in a couple of weeks. Right, Dustin? He's like, yup. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Because we're looking for open doors to show love. Love says, hey, this is good music, and since you're working out and sweating to him anyway, you might as well meet him for free. My hygienist, um, she, she goes to Sunset Prez down the street, and I was getting my teeth cleaned this week, and she was all giddy when I came, and I'm like, you're going to scrape my teeth. Why are you so happy? Um, 
And so you try and have a conversation with your hygienist. This is foolishness. But she keeps talking to me, and I'm like, she's just doing her, her thing, and she's so excited about it. She's like, they showed the video at my church. I'm so excited about this, and I invited this person, invited that person. And as she's scraping my teeth, her next client is in the lobby. We can hear them talking. And this next client is having like a spiritual conversation with the receptionist who's a Christian. And we're hearing it. I want to jump out of the chair and close this deal. Like, right? <laughs> so... I get, I get out to talk to the, this is this Thursday. I get out to talk to the dentist before leaving, who also is a believer, and I'm talking to him, and then I'm about to leave, and my hygienist introduced me to this lady. He said, see, this is the guy that's on the video. This is the guy that's going to be there, and I just invited you to go. You should go. I'm like, yep, you should go. <laughs> and things like this get a hygienist out of her comfort zone. So normally doing this kind of faith inviting in that environment, so why do we do this? Because we want to open doors to talk about Jesus. Uh, Brian and Jacqueline, you know, Chick-fil-A, kind enough to put an invite. If you go and get the Jesus chicken, you get in an invite. Um, you get in an invite to, to Good News Today. Now, they don't have to do that. No one forced them to do that. They've taken a risk that some of their clients are going to be mad. And guess what? Some of them have been. And I'll say it because they didn't ask to say it, but they're giving towards this event to make it happen. Joe and Kathy Dennis are using their business, Interstate Events, and a lot of the stuff on site, those event stuff, fencing, this and that, they own this business, and they're, I'm going to make them mad. They're giving it so that we don't have to raise the money for those portions. I'm talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff, but here's the thing. By doing this, it's giving them to show the compelling love of Jesus in their practical way. So if you don't own a chicken restaurant, you can't do the invites, but somebody can. And if you don't own an event, I think of John and Aaron Lee here who run Northwest Events. This is not our space. It's their space. And they're going out of their way to help us with all sorts of event stuff and cash and, and, and hiring their staff to run our event. They're paying their staff to help service our event, and if I've offended any of them, I'm not even going to apologize. You need to know that this is why we do this. We do this because we believe that Christ's love compels us. And if you couldn't do any of those things, you're not being asked to. You can do your thing. You can do your thing. All right, that was all on the why, and I went forever. Now what? Second thing. What is the good news? We know why we need to do it. Christ's love wants to compel us. Now, what is it we're about to do? If I were to ask you right now, and I'm tempted to, you believe in Jesus, great, so what? What difference is that making? In what words would you explain to me? What, what would you say? You want me to follow Jesus? Why should I? What would your response be? Like, what would you actually say? Not what would you theoretically say. What would you tell me? Is there any place in the Bible that would be relevant? Is there any experience that would help illustrate? How would you explain what you believe? Now, here's, here's the trick. I'll, I'll just say it like it is. We know we believe that he is the Savior. We struggle getting that out of our mouth, don't we? We know we, we believe this is right. But where we wrestle is between here or here and here. And so... Why we're doing this is because we want to focus on the what, what the good news is, and our goal as a church is that you would be equipped, encouraged, empowered, 
to share the love of Jesus in natural ways, with natural words, without being weird. And guess what? If you don't do it, you never will. So the way to do something, if you want to learn how to swim, here's a tip. Swim. You want to learn how to run? Run. You want to learn how to skydive? Jump out of that plane. With a parachute, preferably, but jump out of the plane. The only way you learn to do it is you do it. So we could talk about talking about Jesus, or we could actually engage in it. And so what we're encouraging you to do is to grow. This is where God wants to grow us. So our prayer is your involvement, which I can't force. I would love to. I can't force you to be involved, but I'm inviting you to be involved right now. You say, well, I haven't done anything yet. Great, who cares? We're one week out, seven days. You could do something this week to get involved, that your involvement would produce in you a boldness and a courage and an increased confidence that even if it doesn't go the way you thought, so many times you think, if I talk about Jesus, I'm going to feel good about it afterwards. Most of the time, you know what I tell myself? That was pretty lame. I could have done better. But then I move on and say, okay, next time, Lord, help me out. That you would feel more confident. Now, what, now, so what is the good news? Let's define it. This is worth an entire year-long series, but I'm going to summarize it really fast. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1. Write it down, turn to it, or just look at the screen. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved or rescued if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. And then he gets into what the gospel is. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, and this is what it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, this is so interesting because he gives the gospel to people who'd already heard it. Why are we doing this? Because we want Christ's love to compel us. Compel us to what? To embrace and remind ourselves of the good news of God found in Jesus. So if you want to, if someone were to ask, well, what is this good news? I'm going to put it in one short statement based on 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus died and rose again to save sinners. That is the gospel. Jesus died and rose again to save sinners. How do I get that? Look at verse 3. That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. That he was buried. Notice it doesn't say according to scriptures there. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Christ died and rose again to do something, to save sinners. Now, some of you theologians in the room, calm down. I'm not saying that this covers every dimension of the gospel. This good news is like a diamond with so many facets. You ever look at a really pretty diamond and you get a little, depending on the light, it shimmers in various ways, and then you put that light and reflect it on a wall, you're going to see all sorts of beauty off of this beautiful stone. And so the gospel is like a diamond. There are so many facets and dimensions. We could never exhaust the goodness of the gospel. We could do a 10-year series and not scratch the surface. But at the same time, it's not so complicated that you can't figure it out. Jesus died and rose again to rescue people. So four things. Write them down real fast that this implies, 
And then I want to get to how. This is what we're about. This is what we are about as a church. This is what you're about as a Jesus follower. First thing, the good news is about a person. It's about Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. So the good news isn't about church. It isn't just about the Bible. It's not about a change in religion. It is about a person. It's about Jesus. Second thing, the good news comes to us through the scriptures. If it weren't for the Bible, we wouldn't know what the good news is. And so the good news of Jesus is actually rooted in a place. We didn't make this stuff up. This isn't some man's idea. It's rooted in the revelation of God himself. God showed us what he was about to do. That's the first half of the Bible. What he did in Jesus, that's the Gospels. And what Jesus is coming has done, that's the rest of the Bible. And so it's rooted in the scriptures. Christ died for our sins, notice, according to what God had said would happen. We didn't make this up. Third thing, the good news is a call to respond. It's, this, isn't, this is the gospel that he says in verse 1. I preach to you which you received and on which you've taken your stand. And by this good news, you are rescued if you hold firmly to this word. Notice, receive. So the good news always implies, always, a call to receive. It's not enough to say it. The good news by nature is an invitation to receive. This is a gift. Now, it'd be great if I told you, hey, look, I got a gift, and I had it, you know, under a little covering over here, and it's a brand new Tesla, the one that goes, you know, like, right? It's one of those. And then I unveil it. Whew. Now, that is not a gift to you unless you received it. That's just a car on a stage. Now, I can say it's for you, it's for you, it's for you. Until you take possession of it, it is actually not yours. So the good news is always a call to respond to the love of God. Not that I earn the love of God, but I receive the love of God. And how do I receive the love of God? It's repentance and faith. I turn from my own way of living and my own understanding of who God is and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I turn to the truth and I realize Jesus is right and good and God. And I, I trust that what he did, he did for me. And so it's a call to response. And this is where we get uncomfortable. Let's not kid ourselves. Most of us here in the room say, I love the Bible. I love the gospel. I love Jesus. I even like this church most of the time. And, and but this is the part that troubles me, Jose. And every time you get to this thing where, like, hey, and if you want to receive Jesus now, you should do it right now. Something within me says, this is not Portland correct. And let me just ask you this very loaded question. Who wants to confront people? Right? I mean, today, I mean, there are a few weirdos out there, but who actually wants to confront people and call them to change? Like, God. God. God wants to confront people. God is the good shepherd looking after the sheep. God is the one sweeping the house for the coin. God is the one looking. So even though within my own sensibilities, this is very uncomfortable, I got to remind myself this isn't my invitation. It's God's invitation. And God is the one who sent, hear me, his son to rescue people, 
and his own kids, you and me, are scared to death that someone else might say no to that. When God is saying, they're going to say yes. If you'll tell them. We assume failure because it's easier to take it when we get it. Well, you know what? You're never a failure if you tell people that Jesus cares. Never. And if they don't care or are unwilling to change, that is not a failure. You've, set, you've represented Jesus. So the call is always a call to response. And finally, number four, the good news is for everyone. So the good news is for us, the church. The letter to the church at Corinth was written. He already preached the gospel, but he realized they needed to be reminded of it. So why do we do this? To remind ourselves the love of Christ compels us. What is it? It's the message of rescue. And so the good news is always for us, and it's always for those who have yet to respond. And so this is important, not just someone say like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to bring anyone next Sunday. Maybe I shouldn't go. Shame on you. You should go. Why? This is for you. Why? You're going to hear good news. And guess what? God will always produce something in you every time you hear it. All right. That was why and that was what. We're going to how and then we'll eat too much. All right. How do we help people experience life in Jesus? Really, that's what our church is all about. How do we, how do, we do this? I think it's by reminding ourselves, hear me, the good news is God's message and my message. How do I know that? Romans 1.1. We looked at Romans for a long time. Look at how he starts the letter to this church he's never met. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, and set apart for the good news of God. The good news of God. Paul didn't have his own message. This is the good news that he promised beforehand through his prophets. So the Bible has been talking about this since the beginning in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, Jesus, the good news of God. So how are people going to be changed? God. Who came up with this idea? God. Whose message is this? It's God's. So breathe deep. You don't save anybody. I don't save anyone. We don't rescue anyone. It's the message of God. Yet at the same time, if you think it's just the message of God, we may be duped into inactivity. But notice how he ends the letter, Romans 16, 25. It's the end of the letter. He starts this as the gospel of God. Notice how he ends. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with what? My gospel. The message I proclaim about Jesus. Paul is both and. It's the good news of God. He starts there. He's smart. But that good news gets infiltrated into my DNA. And it becomes my motivation Christ's motivation through me. It becomes my message, the message of Jesus and his work through me. And so this is a message we're called to. It's God's and it's ours. And we want to work together to do this this week. All right. Bottom line, if we don't ask you to do anything, we wasted our time. Hearing the word and doing nothing about it, James says, is a waste of time. Faith without works is useless. So I'm going to ask you to work. we got some friends in the back, and they're going to, I want you to come, friends in the back who have this little booklet, and we're going to, every one of you is going to get 
uh, a book that we produced. It's very similar to the one we produced for last year's event. And it's just got a, a, um, a cover that matches our invite, which makes every bit of branding within me smile, okay? So the, so the invites you're handing out, right, and the website is going to lead to someone by faith. Everyone, let's just pass them out, like, quickly. And every one of you get a book. If you're a couple, each get a book. And I'm going to ask you to do something. And I'm going to ask you to step out in faith. And I'm not going to require it, but I'm going to do everything minus throwing you out. Everything up to that line, like, I'm going to push the envelope, but not to the point where you say, I hate Jesus, because that wouldn't be helpful. All right. Every one of you, when you get the book, go to page 15, um, not 15, go to page 9 in there. What is the good news? Every single one of you, when you get it, this is yours to keep. You don't hand it back. It's yours. What is the good news? Um, and, and when you get it, I'm not, because it's 100% written out, I'm not going to go through pages 9 through 13, but I'm not a math major. One, two, three, four, five. Because there are five printed pages in a font that for most humans is readable. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. At the end of the message that I give next Sunday at that stadium, I'm going to invite people to publicly follow Jesus. Publicly say, I am going to receive God's goodness and grace in Jesus. And I would love it if one of my friends, if you choose to follow Jesus today or return to his love, come back to his care I want one of my friends to give you a book that's going to help you take the next step in following him because this is not a one-day event. This is one step in a lifetime of steps of following this great Savior. And one of my friends is going to give you this book. Guess who those friends are? You. You're one of those friends. You say, me? I said, you. And so what I'm going to ask you to do to prepare yourself Throw, if you would, Jonah, the slide on the screen. This website is a hidden site. No one could get to this particular part of the site except for you. It's goodnewstoday.world slash prayer team. Take out your phone and, and take out your phone right now. Take the phone out. Don't take a photo of this. Go to your browser right now. Like, get your phone out. Go to your browser. If you're on the Wi-Fi here, you're going to kill the system. Uh, use your own data. Jesus loves you. Get out your browser. Go to goodnewstoday.world slash prayer team. And here's what I'll ask you to do. It says three things on there. One, download the material. Guess what? You don't download it. I gave it to you. This is the material. Second thing is, watch the video. It is 21 minutes and 43 seconds. I'm going to trust that you are going to watch that video, which is basically me going over these five pages, that you're going to read these five pages, that you're going to internalize these five pages. You're going to look at it. You're going to make some notes on it. You're going to think, is there, a, is there something in my life that relates to this? And by faith, what you're going to do right now, hear me, what you're going to do right now by faith is you're going to go to the third part and you're going to sign up and join the prayer team right now. So you say, well, I didn't watch the video. I don't care. You're going to watch the video because you said you would. So you'll watch the video, 20, uh, 21 minute and 43 second video later, 
I'm asking you to sign up now. Hear me. Sign up now. Hear me. Sign up now. You say, well, I'm not going to do it. Fine. Sign up now. <laughs> Here's why. We need you, and I want you. Well, anyone could do this. Other churches are doing this. I want you doing it. Why? I'm greedy, and I'm selfish. And if you stand there with someone whose life is being changed, it'll mess you up. All of your self-centered, greedy inclinations fall by the wayside when you see someone who's hungry for God. Your pride, your insecurities, your, your, all that stuff, it, it's not that it's not important, it's just so less important in the big scheme of things. So selfishly, I'm wanting you to do it because I want you so lit up with the love of God. I want you so enjoying God using you that you'll never want to go back. Like, you're like, sold! I'm, I'm, this is my new life. And those in this church that have had that privilege, in essence, that's what happens. Even if it goes sideways and you feel like, I was bad, the Spirit of Jesus is going to still lean into you and say, well done. Thanks, kid. Thanks for taking a risk. I was there. Keep going. So you can't mess this up. So please, sign up now. Did you sign up? Yes. Don't do the church lie thing. Because I can look at our statistics right now, and Nate, please, before this gathering's over, I want to know how many people signed up right now. You can go on the website, get the matrix, and I want to know how many of you did it. If not, we're going to send you a scathing email um, in the next day. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't have time to waste here. This is like life and, and, and eternity stuff. So, like, if I'm a little over the top, um, that's what five weeks of vacation will do. All right, now, all of that was set up to the question. Put it back on the screen if you would. In what way or ways has following Jesus made a difference in my life? So in order to prepare ourselves to talk with someone who we've never met before, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to someone who we don't know well. Here's the application right now. In a moment, what I'm going to ask you to do is you could use your note. You could use your phone if you had it, or you could just make it up. In a moment, I'm gonna ask everyone to stand, and what you're gonna do is find one person. Don't do a group of 10, one person. Try this, that you're not related to. That you don't know, maybe even. If you know them, but you're not related to them, if it's your husband or your wife, doesn't count. I want you to just, all you're gonna do, hi, introduce, say your name, and someone be bold enough to say, this is one thing that following Jesus has done in my life. It could be, I just feel like the guilt of what I've done has been lifted. It could be that simple. It doesn't have to be hyper-specific. It shouldn't be long. I want you to share, and then, and then that other person who heard it, you share your one thing, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna share the good news, that's the good news, with each other, because we need to hear what God has done. And that will get us thinking, you know, I can, I can do this with someone else. When you're done, do not go to the bathroom and do not run into utter chaos. I'm not, I'm actually not done yet, okay? I'm almost, I'm not done. All right, stand up to your feet. Find someone you don't 
know or related to, please find someone different. One person, please find someone. Move. Physically move. Get out of your robe. You could do this.